What we have to realize though, is that the attributes of actuarial science, as we were talking previously about balancing these two powers, as we save our money in pre-retirement, the question is how do I balance? What actual products do I have to choose from in this realm to put my money into on an annual basis that will create the balance between the accumulation power and distribution powers that give me the highest retirement income output later on? This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be so, here. I, I don't know if you remember this, but two, over two years ago, we're both in Marco Island, Florida. And I know I know a little bit about you and what your dad were, were building. And, and you guys are kind of like mini legends in the financial service space. And I'm a nobody at this point. I, I, <laughs> I think I produce enough to qualify to go on a trip, okay? And I remember picking your brain and I'm like, my first impression from you, it doesn't shock me that you're an engineer by, by trade. Cause I'm like, wow, you are wicked smart and very to the point we could do, we could analyze your personality another time. But then I also, <laughs> let's not go too I, deep there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I also, I'm like, man, this guy has an ability to articulate some things that are just so powerful. I, I've focused a lot as far as my practice, as far as better wealth goes, helping people understand that they are their greatest asset, that life insurance can be a phenomenal tool to save money, and it can be very much of an and asset that enhances other areas in your life. And now we've kind of went on a, a, I would say, a role interviewing some people like Wade, who you are very familiar with, um, and, and others that are talking about retirement. And when I heard your presentation, I've actually, uh, I'm a part of your program and, and we help people uh, and we use your software and your guys' philosophy in, in the process of doing that. When people talk about retirement, it's a whole different ball game. And you guys not only understand that and can articulate that, but you've created a whole company to help our industry help people as it relates to retirement planning. And so my hope is that this is a conversation. Um, I get to talk to a fellow Packer fan in Wisconsinite. And, uh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, Jason's low key bragging with, uh, the, the deer heads in the background. So, um, with that, man, welcome to the better Wolf show. All right. Well, thanks for having me. So when, when you're like presenting and when someone asks you maybe like in an elevator, like what, what do you do? Obviously, if you want to you know, have a dialogue with them, like, how do you explain what you do? Cause you came from a world of engineering like what got even got you into the financial service business and what got you into doing what you're up to as it relates to wealth building cornerstones well sure yeah i started as an engineer out of college i did that for um, five or six years and uh, loved that area and um, could be still doing that here today i think uh, made a choice a while ago now to um, get into more of an entrepreneurial world and i believe that this financial advising space and things like that are really the ultimate entrepreneurial area. Um, and, uh, you know, there's uh, unlimited potential in this arena for people who are um, fitting this type of career and have found a system and things that they can put on repeat and really build themselves and their career with. So that was exciting to me and a little bit different for probably from most engineers who uh, like to make sure everything is tidying in place and works exactly a certain way. And I do have some elements of that to me. And 
as far as factual things go and how to analyze things properly. But I'm also not against taking some risks here and there and uh, trying to make things as efficient as possible and, and create the effects. So that's kind of what led to my switching over to this uh, world about 15 years ago now. And, um, you know, ever since uh, um, been working with clients and uh, as, a, as a result of that early on, I started to develop wealth building cornerstones, both the presentations and calculators that go with them. Um, was using them for many years prior to ever, anybody else really accessing or using them and um, found out that lots of other people wanted to use it. So we created it in a system that people could actually now license and use with their clients back starting in about 2012 or so, 2013. And since then, we've been just growing it and developing it and working with the academics like Dr. Wade Fowle, uh, getting the support and backing of all those calculations is awesome. And so uh, we continue to try to make it easier and easier to bring those truly academic and economic calculations to life for people with their own customized numbers. Yeah. Um, and that's what it comes down to is there's very uh, defined ways of creating efficiency in this environment uh, that we're talking about here today being really retirement income planning. Uh, it's not a guess. It's been defined academically. The top strategies are known and have been tested against each other over and over again, thousands and thousands of times. So this isn't really theory or guesswork anymore. This is, this is completely um, you know, different than a lot of people think. Um, I think since the 1980s especially, what you have is everybody running around with investment plans, yep. but they don't have retirement income plans. And you know, I'll keep going here until you until you want to ask me a question of something different. But I'll no, just keep going. I, yeah, give 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 the philosophy. I'll just I'll just preface with this: if someone comes in and tells me that they're an engineer, I I a part of me dies inside because I'm like, all right, <laughs> buckle up, here we go. But we but go. but in all in all seriousness, when we talked, I loved how straightforward you are and I, how definite you are because again, this is not a guessing game. It's not a philosophy. We both know a lot of people in our space that love to get very um, dreamy which is totally cool, but this is a, this is a, this is a, a science. And that's what I, I'm, I'm hoping that you can break down for our audience. So if you're in our industry, take notes. If you are nearing retirement, if you're in retirement, or if, if you're saving or investing money for retirement, take notes, this will change your life. All right, there you go. All right. Yeah, so whenever you're talking about whether protection or wealth building and pre-retirement, you really have to take the approach of begin with a purpose in mind. What is the actual objective you're trying to accomplish? And so if we focus on wealth building in pre-retirement, the purpose of all long-term wealth building savings culminates at one point, retirement income creation at the end. It's not for retirement. It's actual retirement income creation. You have to be that specific, otherwise you have nothing to measure. And there are different strategies to use to create your retirement income path and strategy and outputs. They don't have the same efficiency levels. The different strategies are very different in how efficient they are. Uh, what do I mean by efficient? I wanna get the most retirement income out of the money I've been saving in pre-retirement. So the one that does that, one, the strategy that does that is the one that is the most efficient. There might be two or three or four other ones that exist, but they're lower down in the hierarchy as to what the output is for the actual creation of the objective later on. 
And so when you take this begin with a purpose in mind approach and you say, hey, wait a minute, what are we trying to accomplish? It's retirement income. It's retirement income generation. All right, well, the next step you have to take is, well, what methods or strategies exist and how do they work to create retirement income? Because there isn't an infinite amount of ways to do that. There's really globally four, maybe five. And once you've understood what those are, you can categorize them out in a hierarchy and see which ones are the top performers from strategy perspectives. That allows you to back into the age you are in pre-retirement and begin to place the savings you're doing in a way that creates the balance in, those, in the top strategies that gives you the most income later on when you retire. And, you know, it starts, so the question is, how does that happen? How do you do that? And from a big picture perspective, it really starts with this understanding of what we've trademarked is the two economic powers approach and understanding. And big picture here, the two economic powers represent the accumulation power, which is the investment industry. They're very good at accumulating or can be good at accumulating dollars. And then you have the distribution power, which is the insurance industry through the power of actuarial science and large numbers, and the law of large numbers. And so what you have are these two powers represented by the two industries. And what you'll see here, and I'll probably go into a little bit of history detail on this, is that these two powers were never meant to fight each other. It was never meant to be an either or concept. It was always supposed to be an and in balance. So it's not about just having the investment power or just having the insurance power or bad mouthing one to sell the other because they have different attributes and responsibilities. They're different powers. But that being said, one power is generally not very good at doing the other power's job at all. It's kind of like if you're going to build a house and you have a hammer and a saw. Sure, you could use the saw to do the hammer's job, but that's not going to be very efficient. It's not going to look very good at the end of the day. And so where, where does this discussion come into play from a historical sense and understanding? And it really starts by understanding prior to the 1980s, so like pre-1980s. Predominantly in society, we were all a salary plus retirement income society because we were a salary plus pension system. A pension is nothing more than a guaranteed retirement income plan for an employer or employee. So when you predominantly had the vast majority of people having pension plans prior to the 1980s, they had a salary plus a guaranteed retirement income plan. Since the 1980s, what I'll expand on here is people are no get longer getting a salary plus retirement income plan. They're getting a salary plus investment plan option that they can fund at their desire, like a defined contribution plan of some sort. So it is not self-completing. It's not an automatic retirement income plan like we had previously. There wasn't hardly any education given to anybody about that and how it worked. And so to really understand how retirement income works from a strategy perspective and different pieces of that, you have to investigate kind of what started it, which are these pension plans, these retirement income plans that were guaranteed prior to the 1980s. And you have to look inside of them and you have to say what inside of this was creating guaranteed retirement income? How was it being made? And you do have to get a little into the weeds here to understand this. So I'm just going to do that. One, an employer is the one who's responsible to fund the program, to fund the pension plan at a level that will guarantee the retirement income they've been obligated to as a benefit for the employees. 
the question I would ask everybody is, how do you think they knew how much money they had to put in every year to determine that the retirement income for that employee would be satisfied? Well, to know that, you would have to know two things. You'd have to know the accumulation rate assumption on the assets internally for the growth of money for that employee's earmarked pot until retirement. So we knew what the lump sum might be at retirement that would be earmarked for that employee. But the second major thing you have to know is what is the assumed guaranteed distribution rate for life off of that lump sum that's been earmarked for that employee. Without knowing the two rates of accumulation and distribution, you would have no way of knowing how much money to put into the plan every year, It'd be impossible. This was where the two economic powers understanding and approach comes into play. Internally in pension plans, the investment industry was being utilized to create the interest rate power to grow the assets internally at say three to 6%. That would create a pot of money at retirement that was earmarked for each employee. And that pot of money would be turned into a guaranteed lifetime annuity income stream, generally on a distribution rate of say anywhere between six and 10%, depending on the historical. And when you knew those rates, and you had the proper powers doing their jobs automatically in balance with one another, you can create very efficient retirement income plans when you do that. You're not trying to make one power do the other power's job. For example, if the accumulation power is, if you try to use that for distribution and you don't know the returns you're gonna get on money while you have invested money and as you're starting to draw your income in retirement, you end up having to use a probability-based retirement income where you can run out of money. And that establishes a withdrawal rate that you might be able to sustain or might not between two and 4% off of the assets you have accumulated. Which I, I want to stop you there. That, that's essentially saying if you have a million dollars and you don't have any distribution strategy and you want to have some kind of good chance of not running out of money over the next 30 years, you're anywhere from, you're saying two to 4% distribution? Yeah, and depending on the time frame you retire in and the interest rate environment, that a 3% income rate can carry with it a 20% chance of failure, meaning you can still run out of money in 30 years or 35 years on a 20% chance. So in, that translates to if all you are doing, what, what's helped you get up the mountain, which may be a 401k, IRA, the, the, the market in general, where you're saying if you have a million dollars, you could if you take out 3% and whatever, adjust for inflation, we're... we're we're around $30,000 and there's not even a guaranteed chance that it's going to last. I think a lot of people just wake up and they're like, wait, you're telling me I have a million dollars. I have the American dream, but it doesn't give me a fraction of what I thought I was going to get. It is, that's, that's a common response that at least I get. And I think you get as well. And so what you're saying is you need to not only have a good accumulation, but you need an income distribution strategy as well. Yep. A full retirement income plan actually measures the output. And the yeah. output is a function of the accumulation and the distribution, I like that. not one of them. And the problem with today is since the 1980s and the dawn of the defined contribution plan as we've moved away from the, the pension plans that were guaranteed retirement income plans for everybody is now everybody's only getting by default an investment plan option, meaning it's not even a, an investment plan unless you fund it, right? So you have to fund it but you're really only getting one side or one power that is not self-completing for retirement income. 
And so like, for example, if I went around the country right now and I said to all the people contributing to 401k plans or 403b plans, I said, first of all, I'd say, hey, do you contribute? They'd all say, yeah. And I say, okay, that's great. Um, why, are you, why are you contributing? And they'll say for retirement. And I'll say, hey, that's awesome. Can you tell me how retirement income streams work? And I'd venture to guess that 98 to 99% of them would look at me completely glazed over without any real ability to give me an economic answer to that question. That's the problem, is we have not educated people on how to actually create retirement income streams. They're blindly saving without any way of knowing how much retirement income they're gonna get for the savings they're doing because they haven't studied the methods that actually create retirement income. Every pre-retiree has two questions, how much to save and where to put it. If you're not measuring the output of retirement income generation and comparing that to your current lifestyle, so to have a, a succinct transition from pre-retirement lifestyle to retirement, you won't know until you get there and you are likely in for a rude awakening as to what it is if you haven't planned ahead of time and done all this math and actually measured it for real and put the two powers together to balance the accumulation and distribution phases. And you know, this is not coincidental that it works, I guess was my next thing I wanted to mention here is we were a salary plus two economic power system when we had the salary plus pension plans out there. Since the 1980s, everybody's only getting one power by default, which is just the accumulation power. So what's happened is the default path has become to continue to try to use the accumulation power of short-term fluctuating interest that we get in our mutual funds and stocks and bonds to distribute money. But it's very inefficient at it because you can't predict the returns or the sequences of returns you're going to get. And that's problematic when you're trying to set your income rate at the beginning of retirement, not knowing any of that. And that's where the simulations come into play with the 20% chances of failure and so forth. And so all of us are getting this default path now. But we're not really ever being introduced to the concept of understanding distribution, starting with the retirement income generation area first to then back into what we have to be building on both powers sides of the teeter-totter. We call it the two economic powers teeter-totter. On one side, you have your accumulation power. On the other side, you have the distribution power, which is represented by the insurance industry. And you have a 40-year cycle from age 25 to 65, let's say, to rain money savings-wise down on that teeter-totter every year for your retirement income planning and to create your retirement income later on so you can actually retire. To get the most income out of the savings you've done, you have to have a level teeter-totter at the end. You don't want too much investment power or too much insurance power, accumulation power, distribution power. There's a perfect actual measurement point that you can balance agnostically and know that you're getting the most efficient retirement income at the highest levels for the savings you're doing. And again, this comes back to the academic backing behind wealth building cornerstones and this approach. But all we need to do in society to not end up with a giant retirement income problem for everybody is simply reincorporate the power of actuarial science for distribution in pre-retirement. When you're building your investments, be building the accumulate or the distribution power of the insurance industry through actuarial science at the same time. That allows the two sides to play with one another at retirement time to create the biggest retirement income options available down the road for you to choose from. You're not getting pigeonholed to anything. You're just getting the highest options available 
And I can't stress enough, you gotta cross-reference that with your inflation-adjusted retirement income to make sure your lifestyle is going to meet where you want it to be so you don't have a cliff drop at retirement time unknowingly. That is when you start to talk about volume. So the two questions I mentioned that every pre-retiree has is how much to save and where to put it. The where to put it question is the first question that needs to be answered because that's an efficiency of strategy question. If you choose a very inefficient strategy, you will have to save double or triple the savings annually of somebody else with an efficient strategy to get to the same spot. So you first have to start with that purpose in mind, begin with the purpose and say, okay, well, how do retirement income streams actually work? What are the methods that are exist are there? And there's only like three, four or five that you can define for real. Once you see them in a hierarchy, the top ones are obvious. Like it's not even a guessing game. It's been proven. Like I said, this isn't theory. This is how it works. So once you've identified those top strategies, you then come back into today's age in pre-retirement and you first create efficiency with the savings you're doing to create the biggest output. And then you can analyze after that if that output volume is enough to make the transition of lifestyle from pre-retirement to retirement. And if it's not, then you have to consider how much more out of current lifestyle you would need to save to make these transitions somewhat congruent. But without actually understanding and studying efficiencies between the balancing of the two economic powers, this is almost impossible quest. It needs to start with the understanding of the two economic powers and take an agnostic view. There's so many people out there, advisors, or just people, pundits that are writing magazine articles or on the airwaves and stuff. And they're either an investment person or they're an insurance person. And that's it. And all they do is badmouth the other side. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's horrible. That's horrible. That's horrible. You'll hear it from both sides. There's, there's no way that these multi-trillion dollar industries exist for no reason. Yeah. One of them, I'm saying. They both exist for their specific reason. You need both. You need them in balance because one by itself will not fulfill the full objective. Let them do their jobs, do them in balance, create the efficiencies, and then measure the volume you need to put in to get to where you want to be. You've probably heard the 15 to 20% savings rule, saving 15 to 20% of your savings of your income annually for retirement. That rule really doesn't work under a one economic power approach. If you only have one power, that will not get you there. It'll get you about a third of your retirement lifestyle, a third of your lifestyle in retirement. But when you take that rule and you start applying that volume to efficiency of placement on this teeter-totter and measuring how to balance this to create the most efficient outputs, all of a sudden you get into the 90 or 100% range with your lifestyle later on. Not because you've assumed higher rates of return or anything else. You've just put the powers in the right spots. You've used the hammer and the saw for the right jobs while you were building the house. It's that simple. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize what you're saying and, and correct me if I'm wrong. So number one, you, you have to start with the end in mind. I think so many people don't even know what they want. They may, they may want... A, a, they think they might want a great rate of return, but what you're saying is, why are you even investing your saving to begin with? It's usually so that you can have a future cash flow, future income. So you're saying, think with the end in mind, then be efficient, 
be efficient and look at what you currently have going on. And then you should, you should be able to do an, a strat. You should be able to type in some assumptions and say, what I'm currently doing, this is what the output is going to be. This is what my cash flow is going to be. And knowing the two economic powers, you, this is not a guessing game. You can actually scientifically prove to people if you do certain things that their output, meaning cash flow, will be a lot more. And I've seen a lot of times it, it could be more than twice as much. Is that, is that, yeah. is that like a good summary? Yeah, the efficiency is, is a lot of times double. And so and the, the explanation for that is pretty simple. When you try to use the accumulation power to do the distribution power's job, your distribution rate, as we were talking before, Caleb, was 2 to 4% with a 20% chance of failure over 35 years. Yeah. Well, when you use the actual proper tool, you generally will get historically between 6 and 10% or even higher distribution rates, guaranteed for life if you want them to be, through the distribution power provided by the insurance world. So it's not a secret, meaning if I have a X amount of dollars at retirement time and I go from having a 3% distribution rate to a six or a seven, yep. I just double my retirement income. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's funny when, when I had Wade on the, on the show, he talked about three, three do nots, right? He, he talked about life insurance, annuities and reverse mortgages. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm, I'm waiting for the emails that I'm going to be getting from this, from this conversation. But, but in all, all honesty, he, he said the same thing. You guys articulated it in a little bit different ways. Um, but, but essentially, you're, what you're saying is we have both sides. And I've experienced this I, in full transparency. When I first got started, it was very much of a bashing the other side. And then I realized I'm like, I'm wasting everybody's time and I'm not really doing right by the people that I'm serving. And so you're saying is like, not one is better than the other. Understand how they both go together and the output will be a lot greater. Can you explain... Um, can you explain annuities and life insurance and how you think about them? Because I know you have a, a different way of thinking about them than a, a lot. And you're thinking, again, with the um, end in mind, a lot of the people that I work with um, save money into life insurance. And they, they, they actually, I, I tell them that it's, it will help them in the future. But I do not do as good of a job as you do articulating exactly what that looks like. And that's why we're very much going to be using more of the work that you've done so that we can not only show our clients what it looks like today, but also what it looks like in the future. All, all I've, all I've said to people to this point is alluded to a couple strategies and, and let them know that when life insurance is set up and used properly, it, it can be an asset that can unlock other, other assets, allowing you to have more money, but how would you articulate it? And how do you explain annuities and life insurance? Because we've both heard from, from, pl from places on the internet and fiduciaries that, these are the worst place to put your money. Why are, why are we being told so many different things? Well, to answer that last question first, it's because people have not defined an actual objective when they give their critiques of things. I mean, everything is bad if you start with a premise that that thing isn't good for, obviously. So when you try to make an insurance product, an investment product, duh, that's not going to work. When you try to make an investment product, a guaranteed retirement income product, that doesn't work either. So you have to first understand what you're actually trying to measure or discuss before you can really give any type of economic analysis or academic analysis to the actual thing. I'm going to back out a little bit big picture on this question, though, about products. What we have to all realize as consumers, and myself included, is that when we buy a product, no matter what industry it's from, 
all you are buying is the attributes of one of the powers or, a, or you're buying a product that has combined the attributes of the two powers together. So when I buy a mutual fund, stock, bond, real estate, rental properties, businesses, whatever it might be, those are all short-term interest rate power-driven vehicles. They're driven by the investment industry. That is the power of accumulation. So anytime I buy one of those things, I've just bought the accumulation power. In the insurance world, when you look at the different products there, whether it be life insurance or annuities, you're buying the distribution power when you buy those things. You're buying the law of large numbers for actuarial science purposes to bring certainty to uncertain events. That's what allows for the very high distribution rates in that realm. Now, life insurance and annuities in an actuarial science sense are the exact opposite of one another. Life insurance is if you die from a protection perspective pays out. That's the purest form of thinking about it that way. An annuity is a guaranteed lifetime income stream you can never outlive. So it protects you from ever outliving your assets and it guarantees it for life. What we have to realize though, is that the attributes of actuarial science, as we were talking previously about balancing these two powers as we save our money in pre-retirement, the question is how do I balance? What actual products do I have to choose from in this realm? to put my money into on an annual basis that will create the balance between the accumulation power and distribution powers that give me the highest retirement income I'll put later on. You're not going to buy an annuity, for example, a single premium immediate annuity as an example here, at the age of 40 in pre-retirement. That's an income-based distribution phase product. So how do you start to build the power of actuarial science? How do you represent that power in the pre-retirement phase as we're saving money annually. Because I'm gonna be saving say 10 grand a year or whatever the number is. And I need a balance between the accumulation distribution powers at the end of my 40 year cycle or however long I have left. The products I can use over on the investment side of the teeter-totter for accumulation are all the ones I already listed. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, businesses, properties, whatever my uh, specialty or want or desire is in that area. On the other side of the teeter-totter, where you're trying to balance out now the actuarial science power for distribution, the vehicle that exists or the family of vehicles, if you will, that exists is permanent life insurance. Through the death benefits and cash values that are driven by actuarial science, you're getting the attributes of the insurance industry and actuarial science power for distribution. What happens then is you can balance the building of those things, and there's a measurement tool to do that, an actual metric you measure, to know you're putting enough to each side of the teeter-totter to have the right balance at retirement that gives you the most retirement income. And without getting into too much detail on how those strategies work, these two sides of the teeter-totter, the investment and insurance side, don't operate separately from one another at retirement. The attributes of the death benefit and or cash values of the actuarial science will pair up with the money you have on the investment side of the teeter-totter to unveil strategies for retirement income that have very high income rates and are at the top of the hierarchy for efficiency purposes as far as any method or strategy you could possibly deploy. So instead of thinking about our, our 
financial planning world for our personal lives as a product. We have to start thinking about it as a two economic powers approach where I have to represent accumulation and distribution to create the objective of retirement income. How do I put those things together? Because nobody's doing it for me anymore. I'm not getting it by default. I have to reintroduce the power of actuarial science back into my own financial life because I'm not getting that by default like I am the accumulation power through my contribution plans at work or whatever it might be. And so by doing that, you end up pairing things up. It's not a separate silo type product or, or strategy. None of them are. You have to actually know how things work together at retirement and measure it. I went in a roundabout way there, but um, it all comes back to that two economic powers and understanding the role of the investment and insurance industries in the big picture retirement income. Yeah, and and so in other words, if you're if you're forty, if you're fifty, if you're fifty-five, you you actually there's there's a it's not just a guessing game. Like you can you can with certainty tell people what they where they need to put their money, where how much how much they need to be saving, and this is what output they're getting. And you, it's not a because I can see some people if they don't if they're just getting introduced to this mindset, they could be like, well, Jason, I can make more money in this if i put all my money towards an index i can maybe like the pot can be a little bit bigger and you're saying okay why do you want to grow the pot to begin with cash flow for income and so it's like what if i could show you if that pot could be a little bit smaller but you could actually get a more income that doesn't make sense other than understanding that there's not just a rate of return accumulation power but the distribution power and i feel like since the 80s a lot of people have been switching and just just are really focused on rate of return. Um, it's interesting. I have a, a phrase where, you know, ROR, a lot of times stands for rate of return. And and what it should be standing for is return on result. What result do you want? And then make sure that we do with your time and money what will actually get you there. And that was one of my, that was one of my language um, tweaks because I, I realized that what people actually want is a result and what they think they're saying through wanting a good rate of return is to get that result. And what we're in the business of doing is taking a step back and analyzing the full picture and showing people that there may be a better way if you understand that there's two economic powers and not just one. Yep. And I think um, you're not necessarily ending up with less total assets either. The academic calcs will show and the calcs you run for yourself customization-wise will show that you don't end up with less total assets. It's just they're positioned properly between the two powers to create the, the bigger outputs through the relationships that will exist at that time. For the strategies that can be deployed. The um, other piece of that, you said something I think that was really good with that ROR. People are measuring the wrong ROR. Yep. You're measuring a sub-objective. I'm not saying I don't want people to get good rates of return on their investment side of their teeter-totter, but getting a good rate of return there doesn't mean I fulfill my retirement objective of income in retirement. We have to actually be measuring the output of retirement income that's what you have to measure for the decision-making of how much to save and where to put it in pre-retirement, no matter what age you are, whether you're 25, 35, 45, 55, or 60, it's not too late and it's not too soon. You just got to get in and do it. So you're actually measuring the stuff and getting efficient with that plan. But yes, you're right. Since the 1980s, prior to 1980s, everybody just talked about retirement income because they had a guaranteed pension plan, guaranteed retirement income plan when they retired. Then all of a sudden it became more of an investment plan discussion and nobody ever talked about retirement income plans anymore. And now we're facing this big retirement problem in, re in the country because there had been no education on how to fulfill 
actual planning for retirement income and make it happen at the end. And so we really need to start measuring as a society the actual objective of savings for the decision point as to how we should be saving and how much we should be saving in pre-retirement. Okay, I got a couple more questions. So the annuity really comes in, and this is this is maybe a part two of our discussion. The annuity really comes into when you hit that retirement age, you can decide whether you want to keep your money in equities and use your life insurance as a volatility buffer or transfer your money in equities to a guaranteed income stream and the life insurance is now protecting your assets if something happens to you. Is there, did, I'm trying to explain that the most simple way as possible. Is there, is there anything that you could add or subtract to what I just said? I think on air, that's good. I think um, we call, they're called the covered assets and volatility buffer strategies. And you're not pigeonholed to either one or them themselves, because you can always cash out and go to subordinate, less efficient options at retirement as well. But in pre-retirement, you're making the choice to have that level of the hierarchy for different methods for retirement income exist, because it's the top line of the hierarchy. And one is a guaranteed retirement income. So at retirement, if you're in good health and you want a, a set amount of guaranteed income, you maybe for base expenses or in total, you get to choose that. And you could mix and match that with the other side of the spectrum that is available at the highest possible level, which is the volatility buffer, which is an investment-based approach, utilizing the two powers against one another with the cash values of the permanent life insurance that allow that to happen. And um, the key there is that you can do a 90-10 split, 50-50, or you can do 100% of one of those options. Or again, because you're not pigeonholed to a top line option, that top line, you could say, hey, cash it all out and take me down the hierarchy into something else that's a less efficient retirement income position. Um, so you're, you're not getting stuck somewhere. Yeah, you have the but, beautiful O word options. Yeah, you're not, you're not stuck, but you, yeah. you got to start measuring stuff. Otherwise, it becomes impossible to know and measuring the right things. Otherwise, it becomes impossible to know really what your path is. Yeah, I want to I wanna ask you this. When if someone's listening to this and just retired and they're like, I wish I would have known Jason 10 years ago, what is there any hope for people that hit retirement? They're already in retirement, or is this is this one of those things where it's like, tell your tell your kids, tell people that are near like I, I very much know that this works if you're nearing retirement, we can really get your ducks in a row. What if someone's already stopped working? What 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 is the common approach then? So if you're in pre-retirement and you have, say, more than four years to get to retirement, the thing you can do on the hierarchy of these different income methods that you could create for yourself as options at retirement is get the top line option because the top line requires qualification and time for it to build. And probably generally it's four, more, four or more years. But there's other levels of the hierarchy. There's four, three or four levels underneath that. So if I'm working with somebody who's retiring today and didn't establish the top line because they didn't build that ahead of time, then that's okay. We just don't have that top line option and we go to the next one or two most efficient and or even three and just analyze them side by side to say, okay, here's what happens if we use this method for the creation of retirement income. Here's how much you can get. Here's how much assets you have to dedicate to that function of income in retirement based on how that method works. And you can compare them side by side. And then the most efficient strategies will start to be shown because they have the highest income rates. You'll have the highest amount of income for the assets you're dedicating to that function because of the higher income rates. Or if um, 
you need a certain level of income, but you have a more efficient income method, that might allow you to not have to dedicate as much of your assets to income and allow some of that money to waterfall through to a legacy position for somebody that you want it to go to. But we, we have a very defined program for that in the system. It's called the Income Liquidity Legacy Waterfall. So at retirement, you actually have to measure the package options against one another for the options you've created on the way there in a package though because how you get your income in retirement impacts your legacy in retirement it's all connected so the more efficient you are at providing your income which you might have to be just to provide the lifestyle you're after anyway but the more efficient you are the more you money you could waterfall through to legacy if you want to because you have efficiencies working together if you have a very inefficient retirement income model or, or method at retirement, you might have to dedicate all of your money to get the income stream for your lifestyle and not have anything left for legacy for that function. Yeah. And so there's a very defined hierarchy for looking at that. And if somebody doesn't have that top line available, um, that's okay. We just go to the next available underneath that. It goes back to clarity, efficiency, strategy. It's like, it, it's the same, it's, if you're in retirement, you may not have all the options, but we you can still create the most efficient strategy to to create that um, end in mind. I wanna I wanna address interest rates. Interest rates are low. I I think most people are saying there's not any is immediate. They're not gonna spike up Im- immediately, and if they are, I would that'll be a shock to me. Is that does that affect any of what what you teach and how we help people? Is is interest rates a risk? How big of a risk is that? Or is that a for is that another reason why you need both actuarial um, sciences to go into this? Well, the only way to create to really overcome interest rate risk or even inflation risk is to have the most efficient strategies working for you. Right. Now, let's talk about interest rate environments because let's just look at the last 30 or 40 years. We've had basically the highest interest rate environment in the 80s. 90s type of world in our economy and now we have the opposite exact extreme which is the lowest basically in history so what does that mean for retirement income planning and the important thing to understand is that the hierarchy i've been talking about for the methods to create retirement income are all defined by the income rate for each method and they're from top to bottom laid out in that hierarchy those rates will go up and down all together on a relative basis as the interest rate environment changes over time. So, but the, but the hierarchy positions never change. So for example, an income annuity, a SPIA, single premium annuity at the age of 65 back in the 90s, you might've been getting a 10% income rate. So off of a million, you'd get hundred grand a year guaranteed for life. Today's rate on that is probably, again, I'm not going to get this right, but let's say it's six and a half in the market. So 65 grand a year off of that million for that type of product or method. Well, let's contrast that. Back in the 90s, a one economic power approach of investments only because of the high interest rate environment probably would have gotten you a four and a half percent income rate with a 20% chance of failure still, but four and a half is higher than the 3%, for example. 
today's regular or withdrawal rate simulation rate for somebody retiring today is somewhere between two and three percent, depending on the risk level you're willing to take because of the low interest rate environment. So the hierarchy stays intact, but as the interest rate environment changes and goes up and down slowly over time in society, all of these income rates go up and down together. And so when you're analyzing retirement income choices later on, there is an assumption everybody has to make for the outputs as to what interest rate environment do we think we're gonna retire in. It doesn't change the most efficient strategy paths, it just changes the volume of output that you're gonna get. And so you wanna do that in a way that makes sense. Meaning if I'm working with somebody who's seven years out from retirement right now, I'm not using a mid-range rate assumption for the calculation of the ending outputs for retirement. That would make no sense. We're not gonna rebound to a mid-range interest rate environment in seven years like we had in the 80s or 90s in all likelihood. So I would use an assumption, we have this built into our program, where you pick like a low range, which might be the two years ago mark for what interest rates are at, or very low, which is today's, and it adjusts all of the rates of income to match those things on a relative basis. So you're seeing the volume outputs the way they should be. If you're working with somebody who's say 20 years out, or if you're an individual who's 20 years out, I don't know what the interest rate environment is gonna be in 20 years. I mean, 20 years ago, it was pretty close to mid-range. There were pieces of times inside of there, there where it was. And so it could come back. So generally speaking, you might wanna plan for a mid or a mid-low environment as the outputs to help you define how much to save. And know as you go with your advisor that you're working with, that every couple of years when you update these numbers and rerun them, to keep the teeter-totters level and the volumes correct with your inflation adjusted income for lifestyle that you're after, that you may, as you get closer to retirement, have to adjust that yeah. interest rate yeah. assumption for that environment that is creating those income rate outputs. You won't know till you get closer what your exact interest rate environment is going to be. And it is what it is when you get there. Yeah. And yeah. it's something you have to be cognizant of, but you also have to be able to plan and um, get things moving and based on some in, in other words, in other words, interest rate does matter, but the economic, like we still, it's is what it is, and let's pick the most efficient strategy for the times that we're in. So yeah, and make and make it a good assumption based on your proximity to retirement, and then update it as you get closer and closer to make sure you know what's happening with it. Anything else that you want to um, end on as far as this? Then I then I'm gonna I, this might be my next question for you is gonna be maybe a little bit tougher for the engineer to answer, but anything else as far as Wealth building cornerstones, you know, two economic powers, retirement planning, anything else you want to add? I'll just say real quick that, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about retirement income planning here today, which is a major piece of pre-retirement planning. Uh, we can't forget about protection overall and the total protection of all areas of things. We always say protection and wealth building are the two things to focus on in pre-retirement, and they go hand in hand. Um, so I just wanted to mention here that uh, uh, make sure as an advisor or if it's a, just a person, a regular person listening to this, that you're looking at both of those areas and making sure things are, are balanced the way you want to inside of those pieces. Um, I'm going to, before we give kind of the call to action, how people can follow the work that you guys are doing, um, I ask every guest this question and the question goes like this. This is your last day on earth. You're with the people that you love the most. What are you going to share with them in your life experience? Um, just what, what, yeah, what are you going to share with the people that you love the most? You can't give them anything money wise or tangible, but you can give them one last conversation. 
I know I sprung this on you. Um, what, hmm. what would you, what would you make sure to share in that last conversation? Well, you know, obviously you tell them you love them and all that type of thing. I think from a reflection perspective, I would probably focus on the experiences we've had together. Yeah. You know, life to me is more about experiences than it is, um, certain things around us that are material like everybody remembers when they were younger and they did some sort of experience uh, whether it be a trip or a vacation or something of that nature that really stuck out and those are the types of things that are valuable to me so i'd probably spend the time trying to recapture some of that it, it's it's interesting because we we like to nerd out about this about money about retirement about helping clients but this creates a, a certainty and it creates some um freedom to focus on the things that matter most. And I feel mm-hmm. like if someone doesn't have a plan, um, it, it, it shows up in their health. It shows up in their stress levels. It shows up in their um, very low relationships that they have because their energy is not, not present. And so um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. How can people find out more about what you're doing? Um, obviously, I'm, I'm excited for us to come because as I'm on a mission to helping um, shed light on on truth on areas that can truly help people use money as a tool to live more intentionally. Um, man, the, the work that you guys sure. are doing it goes hand in hand with what we're doing. Well, thank you. I mean, as far as uh, you know, advisors can obviously license our system at wealthbuildingcornerstones.com. Um, the um, there's been academic white papers written on there that people can access as well. They are generally available out there, but they can also they're written on the system that they can find inside the system. Uh, there's been some books written and so forth. So um, we're included in the RACP designation as part of the curriculum there. Uh, that's one of the designations people can get in our industry for retirement income certification at the American College. And so um, there's really a lot of different ways um, to kind of look into that and see what it's all about. And um, yeah. I love it. Thanks for Jason, having me today. It was great. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.